This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres here with Money Mike Gilchrist, and there's been so much news going on throughout the offseason, but I think the biggest news is what I just read on Facebook. Big Cat Country says that Chris Collinsworth thinks Trevor Lawrence will make a huge leap for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2022. He says it's a match made in heaven, to be honest with you. Now, that is some big news right there. Chris Collinsworth, Money Mike's favorite analyst, says that Trevor Lawrence is going to be good next year. You got to listen to him, right, Mike? This coming from the same guy who on a Madden 10 recording said, if the quarterback has time and the wide receiver's open, he'll complete it 100% of the time. Yeah, great take, Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I will say I, I do think that um, Trevor Lawrence has the opportunity to make a sophomore jump compared to his rookie season because his rookie season was dialed back with all the, tra- the, the drama going on with Urban Meyer and the roster wasn't really that good. You know, his, you know, star, not star, but I mean, his co-teammate from Clemson who got drafted to the Jaguars was out all season at running back. So that chemistry that they could have taken advantage of rookie year wasn't available to him. And it was the first time Trevor Lawrence had faced a season where it was a losing season. He had never lost in high school or college more than a total of like five games all that time. So this was definitely a new experience for him. But this year, I think the Jags really were aggressive, one of the more aggressive teams in free agency. I mean, wouldn't you say so, especially on offensive, the offensive end? Um, They drafted um, defense. So they free agents, their kind of approach was free agents will go offense through the draft and building will go defense. Exactly. And so, honestly, I saw a YouTube video uh, a couple of weeks ago about a guy who literally dove into every single play from Trevor Lawrence's rookie season. And he kind of just analyzed how he was adjusting to the NFL game and how he was adjusting to the speed that increases once you move on from college. And um, he, when he watched the tape from the first few games, he saw that Trevor Lawrence was kind of playing a little too fast, being too reliant on the routes to make the plays for him, as opposed to making reads on the defense as they come as every NFL quarterback is supposed to do, but he was incredibly impressed on in how quickly he was able to adjust just by the fourth game of the season. He was able to finally start to read defenses and re- kind of work towards that NFL caliber quarterback that you need him to be. So um, I know the stats look absolutely terrible. I mean, he, he threw way too many, many interceptions did not score enough touchdowns, but like you said, their team is going to be a lot better this season with a, a better offensive cast. Hopefully their defense is going to be a lot better and hopefully the Jacksonville Jaguars are a lot better for my sake. But like I said, in a few episodes before, I'll believe it when I see it. Right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 this is the point in the off season where you come up with every excuse. Now I'm not talking about you personally. I'm talking about you in general. When I say you, I mean the general football fan, you come up with every reason as to why your team is going to be better than the year before and why, why you're so excited for football season. Uh, so you, you make every excuse, like because of the coaching, because of the players, because of the general management moves, everything. Uh, and again, you don't know until you actually see it translate on the field. But I will say for another positive for the Jags is I think that Doug Peterson um, will really help Trevor Lawrence out, being that he played in the NFL, being that he's won a Super Bowl. Um, and uh, I think that's just going to help him a lot more than Urban Meyer did. Now, I remember at the time, a lot of people, including myself, were excited about the Urban Meyer hire in Jacksonville because he had always had a successful you know, time at any place he'd ever coached. I mean, he was always successful wherever he went. Um, he was a guy who was good at building a culture in the college game. And, uh, you know, he was going to be starting with Trevor Lawrence, who 
had success of his own in the college game. So I thought it was going to be good. And a lot of people did. Unfortunately, it wasn't. So again, you don't know if a coach is necessarily going to work out until you see it on the field and see it actually play out. That's why I'm holding back any kind of predictions on Brian Dable with the Giants, because even though he's been a successful offensive coordinator, players love to play for him. Everyone talks positively about Dable. He's never been a head coach in this league. So I won't know if he's a good head coach or not until he's head coach of uh, some games. And that hasn't happened yet. So we'll see what happens. But I, 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 yeah, I think you have a positive reason to be excited for, you know, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Yeah, I, I think I do too. And uh, it sounds like you're approaching the New York Giants situation with a little bit of uh, cautious optim- optimism, right, Mike? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have any kind of expectations for the Giants to do anything in terms of making the playoffs or doing anything super spectacular. My only, my main hope for the Giants this year is that we're better than we were the year before and Saquon Barkley stays healthy. And if he's somebody who um, doesn't stay healthy, if we trade like him away, let's get something good back for him. Um, And uh, you know, I like Daniel Jones, but if, if, you know, I want a clear answer at the end of this year, whether or not he's the guy or not, I don't want it to be up in the air. I don't want it to be something like, well, he had some good moments, so we'll keep him and like keep him too long. And he wasn't actually the guy. Um, I, I want that answer figured out either. He's the guy or he's not. Cause if he's not, let's get rid of him and move on to something else and try a different direction. Did I see that he was playing in a cornhole tournament on ESPN? I think I saw a picture of him with like a Jersey on it and everything. He must've been at like a professional cornhole event as like a celebrity guest. Well, that's cool. I, I didn't see that, <laughs> but I'll tell you this. I learned the trick to cornhole last time I played, I basically hit every single time I threw it. So I'll take Daniel Jones on anytime. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you'd probably kick his ass, wouldn't you? Yeah, I've got that arc down with Cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, before we get into some of the other NFL offseason topics, I don't think we've done a podcast since your heartbreak in the NBA Finals. So, so why don't you just give us a quick spiel, very quick spiel about congratulating the Golden State Warriors and your feelings about the Boston Celtics coming up just short in the NBA Finals. Well, I got to tell you, it was very frustrating to win the first two, two of the first three games and then lose the next three. After at that point, going into that game four before they lost that first of the three, the Celtics had not lost back-to-back games in that playoff. Like if they lost, they always won afterwards. So I was like, after the first three games, they're up two games to one. I'm like, great. If we don't lose back-to-back games, we'll win this in six or seven. We're good. And I'm, I predicted that the Celtics would win in, in six. But unfortunately for the Celtics, they could not slow down Steph Curry. They could not um, – they, they, they just couldn't contain Golden State's offense. Golden State's offense was too lethal. And Golden State's – I know the story going into the finals was Boston's fantastic defense, but the Golden State Warriors played fantastic defense themselves throughout the whole season and the playoffs and the finals. So they deserve credit for that. Steph Curry finally got a finals MVP. He finally performed well enough to earn it. Because uh, other times in the finals, he had come up short. That's another reason I thought the Celtics could win. Because I was like, Steph Curry always plays great, but in the finals, he always shrinks. Um, but he played great. I mean, he played yeah. great. They deserved the win. And, you know, I wasn't happy for the Golden State Warriors in terms of, like, I was happy for them because they beat the Celtics. I, I When Steph Curry burst into tears after winning, after, like, the game was over and the series was over, I, I felt a sense of, like, happiness for him as a person because, you know, everyone ridiculed him for his performance in the finals. They always said, Oh, well, you know, that first finals you won, you guys wouldn't have won if it wasn't for Kyrie getting hurt and Kevin Love getting hurt. Oh, you wouldn't have won any finals without Kevin Durant. You guys can't win without Kevin Durant. They proved that they can win without Kevin Durant. 
Yeah. And you know, it was, it was, and, and they'd gone through so much adversity those couple of years since they had been to the finals with his injury, with Clay's injury. You know, it, it was one of those things where it's like you had your 15 minutes of fame and then it goes away and you're wondering, will I ever get that again? And they right. did. So good for them. I, I feel great about the Celtics because they're a young team that was, uh, you know, Ime Adoko's first year as our head coach and he goes to the finals. So I feel good about the Celtics. They made great offseason moves so far. Um, so I, I'm optimistic about the Celtics' future. Golden State deserved to win. They were the better team, and you can't say much about that. If, they, if the Celtics had lost tonight, in my heart of hearts, was like, they're not the better team. This sucks. Uh, it'd be harder to take. But, it, it, you know, it, it was the case of you lost to a better team. That's how it goes. Yeah, and obviously the emergence of Andrew Wiggins during that series as well turned out to be a huge factor in the Warriors kind of squeaking out those close wins throughout the series as well. Whenever you're able to have just another piece of your offensive talent kind of show up in the biggest moment, that's what kind of brings you over the edge. Because both of they, like you said, both teams were pretty evenly matched when you looked at it, but um, Steph Curry playing out of his mind and Andrew Wiggins showing up in a different way because Clay Thompson, he didn't have the best series. He he seemed to kind of struggle. He seems to have not been able to find his rhythm yet after coming off of being uh, on the bench for so long because of injury. But Andrew Wiggins stepping up really solidified that win for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and Jason Tatum couldn't overcome the turnovers. The most turnovers yeah. in NBA history in the playoffs was by Jason Tatum. He uh, he struggled in the finals, unfortunately. And, you know, he's a young, very – he's only 24 years old. People forget he's very young. Yeah. So he, you know, was young and uh, had a bad finals, and hopefully it will stick in his mind and will remind him and motivate him uh, not to be that way in his next finals appearance. So I'm sure he'll have another one. Do you have an update on the uh... – the rest of the Eastern conference. Cause I know there's some drama going with the, uh, the old Brooklyn Nets that I know you're, you're kind of judging the character of the people in play here. I remember you sent me a few texts of unhappiness. Oh, oh of course. I mean, well, first of all, I was sickened by the, the, you know, I was overjoyed when we swept the nets. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but then Kyrie had a disgusting moment in my opinion, in his press conference saying, well, me and Kevin are going to regroup and uh, we're going to really, figure out what we need to do. And uh, we're, we're going to run this team and, and, and run it back. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, you're going to run the team since when do you, you're not a general manager. You're not a coach. Kyrie. You're a player. You are a player, Kyrie Irving. And uh, <laughs> it, it goes back to this. My, my, it, it bugs me that the NBA players have so much power and, you know, Kyrie wasn't getting his way. So he threw a hissy fit and Kevin Durant threw a hissy fit. Like, so Kyrie was going to hold out and then sign his player option at the very last minute. Uh, and then Kevin Durant demanded a trade. And it's like, Okay. First of all, you have the gall to demand a trade. And then you're going to say, I want you to either trade me to here or here while you're under a four-year contract. still." Um, if I were the nets, I would be like, fuck you. You're going to Orlando. You know, like, like I'm going to send you wherever I want. If you're, if you want out, um, you know, again, I, I think it's uh, these players are like, they want to, they want to be paid and they want guaranteed money, but they also want to be able to get up and go whenever they want. And I've presented a solution to this one-year deals. One-year deals with guaranteed money for that year, but then you can pick up and leave and go where you want. If that's the atmosphere the NBA players want to have, then that's how it should be. That way, teams don't have to commit to you because you're not going to commit to them. Right, because players are wanting to jump from team to team every single season anyway, so might as well just kind of steer it to the skid and make it a little bit easier so we don't have to have all this crazy drama. But if you're the media, like ourselves, you love the juicy drama. You know, you start yeah, getting excited. And, and what's funny is that Kevin Durant, <laughs> nobody, nobody's really making a trade for him. Other than the only team that can do it, they can give the Nets what they want because every team has to basically gut their team to get Kevin Durant in order to satisfy what the Nets are after. The only team that can give them assets and still be a championship contender is Golden State. And Golden (laughs) State 
if he goes back there, it basically says to everybody, you can't win without Golden State. And Golden State doesn't need you because they just proved they can win without you. My next so, chapter, man. <laughs> so Golden State, last time when he, Kevin Durant was there, they tried to do everything they could to please him. And they kind of, you know, tried to build a nice shelter around him to make sure he was happy. This time around, it's like, I don't have to make you happy. You need yeah. us more than we need you. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? How dis- more disgusting than that, though, is how disgusting is it that it just called us the media? We are definitely not the media listeners. So we, we, we do not fall into that terrible classification. We are your friends. We are the we, we are anti-media here. Right, Mike? Uh, depends on what kind of media we're talking about. You know, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm against any kind of media that just it has an agenda and they're trying to shove that down your throat, whether it's positive like or negative. media. Come on. That, that's I know. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not the media. We're fun. Yeah, our agenda is just to give our listeners a fun listen, give them some information about sports that maybe they're not following right now, uh, let them know of the big news, and uh, that's really about it, you know, and give everybody a laugh every once in a while, not not too often because I, I wouldn't consider us comedians, but we try our best. Yeah, I, I, I was told very early on that I'm not very funny, so. <laughs> <laughs> I who, who, told <laughs> who told you that? Who told you that? Uh, I remember when was freshman it me? no, probably you at some points. No, uh, fr- <laughs> <laughs> I remember freshman year in band. Uh, it was uh, I, you know, I'm a freshman. I'm all excited, and I think I tried to try to be funny on something, and someone just turned around who was like, you know, a couple years older than me, and goes, "Stop trying so hard. You're not that funny." You're not oh. funny. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. a real blow to the ego right there, huh? But yeah. it's all right. You've bounced back, and you've uh, you've gotten the money Mike persona. Yeah, and now we're here on your own podcast, spewing your shit to our tens of listeners. Yeah, <laughs> our, tens, <laughs> our tens of listeners. Yes, and they all hopefully they're all laughing right now. Yeah, <laughs> ah, he thinks he's funny. <laughs> yeah, you know who isn't laughing? The Cleveland Browns, though, because they have really put themselves in a terrible mess of a situation after how they have dealt with their QB room. Well, I'll say I saw this meme. It was like they're paying. Deshaun Watson X amount to not play for them at all. Uh, and they're paying Baker Mayfield an amount not to play for them. And it's like, they're not paying anybody to really play for them. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's so who is their quarterback now, now that they've gotten rid of Baker and Deshaun Watson probably isn't going to play. I don't even know who's on the roster. Kobe Prezet. Oh my God. <laughs> Could you imagine having Deshaun Watson pay him the dumbest amount of money? Oh, that really. Yeah, I'll guarantee without fully knowing the situation, pissing off your current starting quarterback who has shown promise throughout the years. He had to deal with a lot of injuries last year. And it seems like his mental state is a, is a little little odd at times, but he's definitely he was definitely still serviceable to the point where you felt like you had a guy. And then now you're coming into the season with Jacoby Brissett at the helm, who has been mediocre at absolute best throughout his career. Yeah. I just, it, it's typical <laughs> Cleveland Browns, right? I mean, <laughs> they don't seem to have good luck at all. I mean, it, it's unfortunate because they really have a good roster. They finally have a good roster uh, on the team and they have a good coach. Um, and if Watson plays, they're going to be a very dangerous team, but that's a good, again, is he going to play? Is he going to be able to play? So that the NFL offered him, which is weird that they offered him this. They said, here, we'll just give you a 12 game suspension right away. And then once the 12 game suspension is up, then we'll reevaluate. It's like, what, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> so you're okay. So I'll accept the 12 games suspension, but that doesn't mean I'm guaranteed to play afterwards. No. Like, what's the point of even accepting those terms? So, I mean, he's already been out for a year. I yeah. Mean, but that was by his own doing. I don't yeah. think the NFL ever actually issued a suspension for him. That's true. 
Yeah. So it's just a terrible situation, obviously. New uh, new details of the entire story surrounding Deshaun Watson are coming up, it seems like, every single week. So uh, we're not going to comment on those. We'll just comment and say that it's a terrible situation for all involved. Yeah, um, especially yeah. if the accusations are true. That's awful. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's uh, even it not- even here's the thing. It's awful if they, let's say there were 10 accusations, right? Yeah, it's awful if one of them is true. Exactly. And it's awful by anybody who if they're not true to accuse somebody of that because it takes away from the situations where it is true. Right. Yeah. So it's awful no. all around. Exactly. 100%. Some would say that that's kind of the overall theme surrounding the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. We won't get too deep into that either. Oh, Johnny Depp um, is right. I, Amber Heard is such a liar. Are you kidding? She's such a bad Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you anybody, see her in those trials? That was yeah, pathetic. Yeah, yeah. I watched actually probably too much of that trial. A uh, guy I watched stream was basically having a watch along with the trial. It was funny. Um, and yeah, it did not look like a good situation. And again, I will tell you for the millionth time, as I've told you many times off air, you have to watch Pirates of the Caribbean because there's a great reference line in the original Pirates of the Caribbean where Johnny Depp's character says, this is the day you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. And it's a funny thing when he, when the verdict came out that he won, it's like, this is the day you almost caught Johnny Depp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is very applicable because he, he did uh, emerge. Most would say victorious from there. Obviously he still has to pay some money, but Amber Heard has to pay a lot more. So um, that is, uh, yeah, but that's okay. So that's our uh, big hot take update here about the Amber Heard to Johnny Depp travel move back into sports. Uh, Baker Mayfield obviously was traded to the Carolina Panthers now to uh, join his fellow draft mate, Sam Darnold. Yeah. See who the hell is going to win that starting job. You know, if you told us in 2018, Hey, these top two of these top three picks are going to be on the same team in 2022. That means their careers went great. And Josh oh, Allen is a million times better than both of them. Yeah. I mean, that's just, uh, <laughs> that's gotta be an interesting QB room. Like, you know, they, both were drafted in the top three and now they're on the same team and now they're competing for a job against one another. And I think Baker feels that cause he's talked about how he circled on his calendar week one, cause Carolina plays Cleveland week one. Uh, and he's like, he has it circled on his calendar. It's like, why would you circle it on your calendar? If you're the backup. Right. He, he feels play. like he's got the starting job on lock. Huh? I think he feels he has the starting job on lock. Like, well, of course I'm going to have the starting job. Look at Sam. He sucks. You know, I think that's his <laughs> attitude. I mean, it, if both of them were fully healthy, I would obviously pick Baker Mayfield. Like if oh, both yeah, of them so were fully I. healthy and were playing at their full potential, I would pick him. But I mean, there's a lot of variables coming into this upcoming season. Is he, is his mind right? Is his body right? Is he going to be fully acquainted with the system? And is he going to be set up for success with their offensive lineup? That really isn't that great. I mean, DJ Moore is obviously a great receiver. Um, one of the, probably a mid tier wide receiver one in the league. Yeah. Yeah, McCaffrey. Um, McCaffrey, of course, is, I mean, top tier as long as he can stay healthy. But the rest um, of the roster sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really not a, a very, very good roster, uh, which is kind of hypocritical for us to say because our teams don't have great rosters either. But No, but the Giants <laughs> do play the Panthers, and when I looked at the Giants schedule, I was like, well, at least I know we're going to win one game. <laughs> oh, so Mike's already make, calling his shot. The Giants will beat the Panthers. Any Panthers fans listening to this are going to be upset at that one. Yeah. Uh, like the Jag fans, there's not that many out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I believe I know one Panthers fan that listens to this podcast, and that's my buddy Ian. Oh, uh, they're gonna say Steph Curry. I was like, Steph Curry it, listens to this podcast. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you. I had no idea he was a Panthers fan. But oh yeah, he's um, from Carolina. But my my buddy Ian would probably agree with you that it's probably likely that the Giants are gonna win that game, but it'll probably be kind of close. Who knows? 
who knows what these teams are going to look like this. In well, you know, what's, what's going to be fun is the week before the Giants and the Jags play on this podcast and the week after will be fun for one of us. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I mean, hopefully, hopefully we'll have by then we'll have a good idea of like which like the trajectories of how the teams are going, you know. I think so, because they play in October. So, I mean, we yeah. should have a good, a good idea at that point. Like, all right, we're both out of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, what other um, NFL offseason news do we got? Well, so the anything? other day, the other day, yes. Well, not in terms of like any kind of big signings or anything like that. Um, but the other day, ESPN came out with this poll. And it was a poll conducted by league executives, coaches, um, scouts, and players. So it wasn't journalists. It wasn't members of the media. It wasn't you and me making this list. This was a list of the top quarterbacks ranked right now. So it's not based on their resumes or anything like that. Because obviously, if you're doing that, Tom Brady has to be number one. Uh, But Tom Brady was not number one on this list. So this was all done by the peers in the NFL going into 2022. This was the rankings. Number one, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Number three, Josh Allen. Tom Brady came in at number four. Joe Burrow was number five. That was the top five. And then six was Matthew Stafford. Seven, Justin Herbert. Eight, Russell Wilson. Nine, Deshaun Watson. And number 10, this was the <laughs> controversial one, Dak Prescott. So, wow. Drew, that list. Okay, first of all, I do think that Aaron Rodgers getting the number one spot after winning back-to-back MVPs is fair. At the same time, because he doesn't have Devontae Adams anymore, I think Rodgers and Green Bay as a whole are going to take a dip this year. I think they'll still be good. I think they'll still be competitive. But I don't so, know. So let, let me ask you this. Is, is this based on the current quarterback situation surrounding him or the quarterbacks themselves? I think this is the quarterbacks themselves. That's all it says. It's 2022 quarterback rankings. So I bet you whoever was making these rankings was looking at it as looking at all the quarterbacks throughout the season or throughout the league, which one would you want to start a team around? Sure. Maybe that's how they were looking at it. And Maybe. I could see why, but, like you said, I would, I could see why they would choose Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've all the quarterbacks were up for grabs and you could pick, have your pick of which one you wanted for your team. Uh, I think you'd be very happy if you got anybody on this list. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, alone, absolutely. Especially the guys in the top five. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and Joe Burrow. Um, so, what I would say is in all of these QB ranking situations, the top four on this list could be jumbled in whatever way you want. And I honestly wouldn't really argue with you because right. Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, and Brady, I think have cemented themselves as, as the top four quarterbacks in the league. Joe Burrow is right there, obviously, but I think prior to this last playoff run, nobody was going to have him in that discussion. So I think he just needs a little bit more time to solidify him in that conversation and have a more consistent run of dominance. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have much argument on this list. Who would you put there instead of uh, Dak Prescott? You think uh, he, Lamar Jackson um, mm-hmm. deserves a spot in the top 10 because he's one of the most feared quarterbacks in the NFL because uh, yeah, he's a quarterback, but he has the most tremendous like running ability of any of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, people say, Oh, he's a system quarterback. No, Baltimore is ran through him. He is their system. You yeah. know, they, they go by him. Um, he has solely carried that team on his back to wins because of his athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Now, is he the most tremendous thrower of the football? No, Dak Prescott's a better thrower of the ball than him, but I think Lamar Jackson, give me a, uh, give me a fourth quarter, uh, go win the, the game drive. I'd want Lamar Jackson over Dak Prescott. I, I think when I was just talking about this with some friends the other day, um, I think Lamar Jackson is going to be held back for as long as his career goes 
number one, because of the, the fact that he's viewed so much as just like this mobile quarterback. And they think that eventually that's going to fall off at any point, which I don't know if it will because he's a generational talent, but we'll see. But number two, he doesn't have any playoff success. I mean, I know Dak Prescott doesn't have much playoff success either. And the Cowboys have been majorly a disappointment when it gets beyond the regular season over the mm-hmm. past couple decades. But I mean, Lamar Jackson has, I think we looked at his playoff record. I think he's only one in four or something like that. He, he's, he has one playoff win under his belt, I believe. Um, and that was the year I think they lost to the Bills in, during yeah. the COVID. Yeah, because they playoff. won the first round. Yeah. And they barely won in the first round. They escaped that game, I think, too. Exactly. So I think I, people are skeptical of his, like, throughout his success, success throughout the entire season. Like, they think he can rack up the points and carry this team to wins throughout the regular season. But once you're playing the top of the top in the playoffs, I, like maybe these teams have been able to find an answer. And I think that's maybe why they've kept him out. I don't know. I would put Lamar Jackson over Dak Prescott personally, but that's probably the argument that they use. The other quarterback I feel is better than Dak Prescott uh, is Derek Carr. I don't okay. feel like Derek Carr gets enough love. He has the most fourth quarter comebacks of anybody in the league. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It's, other than Tom Brady. It's just Derek Carr is just never a sexy name. Like, like whenever someone brings up Derek Carr, it's like, oh yeah, we'll put Derek Carr in the top 10. It's like, like I think he's going to have a big year this year. I think with having Devontae <laughs> Adams uh, add to the Raiders and like the fact they played college ball together, they don't have to build the chemistry together because they already have yeah. it naturally. Yeah. Um, so I'm, that division is going to be nasty, man. I know it's going to be fun to watch, but I think what makes it a little difficult to kind of talk about Derek Carr is in that upper echelon is I remember when there was like a legitimate de- debate for a couple years as to who was the better quarterback that came out of that class. Was it Bortles or was it him? You know, <laughs> and that was like a legitimate debate. Obviously now it's obviously Derek Carr, but just like ridding yourself of that, like stink of being considered in that question yeah. takes a while. So I think if he has one more season where he plays really well, then I think people will start to accept him as like in the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks. I know we did, we talked about Trevor Lawrence and the Jags earlier in the show, but you know, if Trevor Lawrence has this phenomenal year individually, but the Jaguars are still like, you know, a six win or less team. Does Trevor Lawrence get the love of being one of the top quarterbacks in the league or does your success of your team also matter in you getting high up in these rankings? Cause I remember a few years ago, I don't think people would have put Matthew Stafford in the top 10 because he played for Detroit. Look at it this way. Justin Herbert man hasn't done anything yet. He's considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league just because of how he's played. But like they didn't, they haven't even, they didn't make the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. They, no, they did. Yeah. And then they didn't make the playoffs the year before that. Yeah. And he's still considered top 10 talent elite, you know? Yeah. So you think I, he plays in a big market in Los Angeles. He, big, he, I mean, he plays in the LA, but they are overshadowed. I feel True. like they would talk about him more if it wasn't for the Rams also being there. You know, yeah. the chargers are kind of like the B team of LA. Like imagine if he was playing for, a team yeah. like New England or or someone who's a bigger market team. Yeah, that's fair. The Rams are the Lakers and the uh, you know the Chargers are the Clippers. Exactly. So it's I think if Trevor Lawrence puts up those type of numbers, you know, and, and they only end up getting six or seven wins, or let's say I think they would need to get close to the playoff uh, hunt, closer to the playoff. I think you're right. If it's six or seven, I don't think so. Like even if you if, if you're able to will your team to that many wins, like. They're not going to talk about you as at the top, but if you're like in playoff contention by the last week of the season, then they, then I think they make an exception. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, again, this list is very fair for the most part, and, and not to hate on Dak Prescott. It's just uh, he's and he's by far the best quarterback in his division. That's not saying that much because the division really stinks. But um, that was the only one on that list that I was kind of like, ah, should he be there? Should Derek Carr be above him? Should Lamar Jackson be above him? Lamar Jackson was the one that everybody was like freaking yeah. out about that wasn't on the list. And I don't Lamar think Jackson, it's, it's like talking- as obvious as you would think, though, like with all, because of all the points I made. Well, and Lamar Jackson's uh, looking to get paid, and he's still not getting paid. So obviously, Baltimore, he's is not uh, seeing him as like this top ten quarterback. Because otherwise, they'd lock him down. Baltimore, if they pay him that insane amount of money, they have to commit to creating a roster that's against the normal NFL mold that hasn't shown any uh, playoff success yet. You right. know, and, and why would you like dive two feet into that without contemplating first? Right, and I'm not. Yeah, go ahead. And I, I'm not a supporter of because some people are like, oh, if Lamar doesn't get his money, he should hold out. It's like, no, no, no. Let's get away from this trend of like, if I don't get my way, I'm not going to play. Like, I can't do that at my job. I can't say, pay me this amount per car that I sell, or I'm not going to show up at all. My boss would look at me and be like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So I, I can understand the hesitation because it's great to have a quarterback that's popular. It's great to have a quarterback that puts up MVP level numbers, obviously, and gets you wins in the regular season, gets you into the playoffs, but it's getting over the hump after that, which he hasn't really done yet. And obviously there are other other quarterbacks that have been paid in the past that probably are in the same boat Yeah. though. Like if we think about it, like Matt Stafford was paid a lot of money throughout all those years in Detroit, even though he never really did anything. Like, so it's tough. I, yeah. I would never want to be an NFL exec. <laughs> no. I mean, what would you say, who has the most pressure as a quarterback? I mean, obviously teams uh, face expectations by their fan bases, depending on where you play. Like obviously the expectations for the Green Bay Packers fan for Green Bay is higher than the expectations for uh, like Carolina. Like Carolina fans don't have that high of a bar for their team as like Green Bay fans or San Francisco fans. But for a quarterback, quarterbacks obviously are the most celebrated position in the league. They're one of the most celebrated positions in sports as an individual position on a team. Who would you say has the most pressure on them to win a Super Bowl? Or not even maybe one person, but who, who comes to mind when you think of they have the most pressure on them? So coming into this NFL season, easiest decision ever. The team that has the most pressure coming into the season is the Buffalo Bills. And it's not even close, in my opinion, because they are a team that has been completely deprived of any success for decades. They finally have a team that is considered a Super Bowl caliber, can win it all and can do very well. And they have fallen a little short. Or you're about to laugh because I'm holding a banana as I'm doing this right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's like your your gaffle. Like that's your yeah. like, your point of order here is yeah yeah i could see your face there just yeah and i looked at my camera it was looking ridiculous as i'm like making every point like smashing down the banana on my desk um but no i I think the buffalo bills have the most pressure because of everybody in the afc they're the ones that are kind of receiving the most hype coming into the season because they have the easiest division and they have josh allen who a lot of people are saying are the is the best quarterback in the league if not at least top two yeah. You know, and they need to take advantage now because obviously that some of their stars are probably not going to be around over the next couple of years. And yeah. Stefan Diggs isn't going to keep playing at this elite level that he's been playing at for years to come. Like they, they need to take advantage of this perfect situation that they have as soon as possible. If they stay healthy and in Vegas has them as the highest odds. Last I checked, um, they were the team with the best odds to win the Super Bowl. 
mm-hmm. uh, even over the Rams who won last year and they're still a pretty good team. Uh, and, and I heard that the reason the NFL scheduled that to be the opening game between the Bills and the Rams because a lot of people think that might be the Super Bowl. And like, let's have the first game of the season be the same as the last game of the season, which, you know, there hasn't been a team that's gone back to back Super Bowls since yeah. Tom Brady did it in the early 2000s. So the odds of the Rams making it back to the Super Bowl, I think, is very small, even though they're a good team. And, um, well, that FC is a lot weaker this season, too. So, yeah, I mean, if Tom, imagine if Tom Brady did decide to come back, Rams would have been the easy pick to make, make it to the Super Bowl. True. But you can't, you can't ever control injuries and stuff like that True. happens. True. And, all that stuff you know again you have to stay healthy you have to have the luck of staying healthy that's why it's not just about who has the best team it's about who else has you gotta have some luck involved in sports in order to win in anything mm-hmm. um so yeah i would say the bills team-wise that's good but individual players like is is does josh allen have more pressure on him no. to win than say Dak prescott does in dallas or lamar jackson does in baltimore or aaron Rodgers does in green bay and aaron Rodgers is an interesting case because he's already won a super bowl but being that he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, a multiple-time winning MVP, um, and has had multiple opportunities as the number one seed, having home field advantage throughout the playoffs and not taking advantage of it, hasn't been back to a Super Bowl since he won it back. Now it's going to be 12 years ago. Is there more pressure on Aaron Rodgers to get to the Super Bowl and win than it is for Josh Allen to win? Yeah, no, and 100% I agree. Josh Allen is going to be around for a while, barring any insane injuries. He's going to have chances. You know, it's just my reason for saying the Bills is because you don't know if they're going to have as good of a roster over these next five years. So you, you got to make sure you take advantage of when your quarterback is playing at its his best. But yeah. you're right. With, with Aaron Rodgers, it's been so long since he's even reached a Super Bowl. You know, and it's it, it, we, we can talk every single year about how amazing he is during the regular season winning these MVPs. It's kind of the similar thing that, as I said, with Lamar Jackson, you can do so great in the regular season, but if you're not getting results in the playoffs, that doesn't really that matter that much. Nope. You know, um, that's why like people like Tony Romo and Phillip rivers don't like get recognition for being possible hall of famers because, um, they had success in the regular season, but they had no success in the the postseason. I mean, Phillip rivers had some and Tony Romo, I think won one playoff game, but they didn't really do much in uh, their time in the postseason. So that's why when people bring up, Oh, are they a hall of famer? People are kind of like, uh, I don't know. And if you have to yeah. think about it, most of the time, the answer is no. The only concept, the only option where I would say no, if people are thinking about it is Eli Manning, where people are like, oh, his regular season stats aren't that great, but he had two miraculous super. He had two amazing performances in the Super Bowl. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry. He's one of the handful of people who won Super Bowl MVP twice. He's in a Hall of Famer. Suck it. Deal with it if you don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree with you. 100%. Yeah. The other guy who has a lot of pressure on him right now to you know probably deliver a Super Bowl is Russell Wilson. He hasn't yet to be back to the Super Bowl since his horrific, you know, Malcolm Butler interception moment uh, at the one yard line. And now he's going to be playing for a team that has a fan base that does have expectations to win, even though they haven't won since they had Peyton Manning. The Broncos have been to, I, I think, more Super Bowls than anybody other than New England. Um, so, you know, being in a new team on a good roster, there's a lot of pressure for him to perform to be like, OK, you can you win outside of Seattle? Can you win away from Pete Carroll? Are you yeah. that guy? So I think Russell Wilson faces that kind of pressure also. Do you think that puts pressure on him to win a Super Bowl or do you think that just puts pressure on him to be successful? You know, well, again, take- he's had success even since they won that Super Bowl in 2013. Yeah. Like they were always in the playoffs and they were, had won some playoff games. Uh, he just hasn't been back to the Super Bowl. So I don't know. If, I, 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 maybe. I mean, I will say when you do have a Super Bowl under your belt, it does take away a little bit of that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um 
Uh, I, I know Aaron Rodgers is one that has it, but it's, it's been so long. Uh, but yeah. someone like, you know, okay, so two quarterbacks that come to mind that are in a new location and have something to prove is Russell Wilson in Denver and Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan's at the tail end of his career, does not have a Super Bowl win, had that 28 to three. Again, everybody's horrors come back to the Patriots, it looks like. <laughs> you know, had that <laughs> yeah. lead and they blew it. And, you know, he was on the verge of having, I think he was the league MVP that year and then was going to be the Super Bowl MVP and has done nothing since then. And now is with Indianapolis that has, you know, one of the best offensive lines, one of the best running back in the league. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they've got a good defense and they're not in the strongest of divisions. You've got Tennessee, but, you know, Houston stinks and Jacksonville has yet to prove themselves as we talked about earlier in the show. So there's a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan to perform as well, but the AFC is just so strong that maybe the pressure is not on them as much as it is on Aaron Rodgers and green Bay since the NFC is so much weaker. I don't know. I I think if there, if anything, there's pressure for Russell Wilson to continue a trend, right? Because over the past couple seasons, we've seen a quarterback leave their old team that they were on for a very long time, go to a new team, better situation and win a Super Bowl right away. We saw Tom Brady do it. And then we saw Matt Stafford do it. Will Russell Wilson be the third in a row? Yeah, be a three-peat of that situation happening. Yeah, that would be – I didn't think about that. That's a good point. That's a really good point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I just don't know. Does he have the – does he have the roster in Denver? I mean, I know they have a solid defense. Their offense is nothing special, right? I mean, it's – They've got decent – pieces but they're not like superstar yeah. or like you know they're not like pro bowl talents necessarily all across the board like la why, was right exactly or like that's tampa why Bay was for tom yeah tampa bay and la were stacked on both sides of the ball when they um when tom brady and matt stafford moved teams i think if you were to switch the two have matt ryan in denver and russell wilson in indianapolis indy's a yeah. much better situation than denver without the two quarter like if you were to just say if if i was to look at the two situations say i'm an nfl quarterback it's fun to think about. Um, <laughs> I would prefer to play in Indianapolis built in the way that they are right now. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, plus my hands get really a... cold in the winter time and it's pretty nice to play inside <laughs> versus playing outside in Denver in, in November, December. That's fair. And also if you, if you look at both the roster and like you said, the division, a hundred percent, you want to play in Indianapolis. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. <laughs> Russell Wilson as would destroy everybody in our division. Like Tennessee, Tennessee is always a wild card every year. Like they always kind of just pull it out of their ass and they, they make themselves seem better than they are. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, last year they were what the number one seed and they lost in the first playoff game. Exactly. Playoff. Yeah. So uh, it, it's interesting to see that Russell Wilson ended up on Denver as opposed to Indianapolis. Maybe he did have some talks with them and it just didn't work out in terms of the money standpoint or just being able to offer up enough to, well, he was traded. Uh, remember, it's not like he was a free yeah, agent. He right. I were to go. Exactly. Yeah. So if they were able to offer up enough to get Russell Wilson, but um, yeah, there's a, there's definitely some pressure on Russell Wilson. Like you said. Yeah. It, it, it's so much fun to think about, but yeah, I mean, that division, I don't know if Denver makes it to the playoffs with that division because it's so tough. And that's again, why the pressure so much on the Buffalo bills is because the bills division is not that hard that the bills theoretically should be the top seed in the AFC just based on schedule alone. Because the AFC West teams are going to beat up on each other. The AFC North teams are going to beat up on each other, especially if Deshaun Watson's playing in Cleveland. You've got Cleveland who will be good. Cincinnati who's going to be good. Um, Baltimore who's going to be good. And Pittsburgh, despite the fact that they don't have Big Ben anymore, still have Mike Tomlin as the coach and still have a phenomenal defense to where Pittsburgh is going to be a tough out for anybody who has to play them week in and week out. 
Agreed. And Pittsburgh, I think, will still be like a 500 team who will be the dark horse to upset a team, like be that team that upsets somebody. Like if you're the Bills, you're the Chiefs, or um, you know, you're the Bengals, uh, you're the Chargers, you're Denver, and you're having like a good run of like you've won three or four games in a row, you're playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is the team that beats you because you know you're thinking, oh, they're not that good. Right. You know, so the AFC North teams will beat up on each other, and then the AFC West teams will beat up on each other. The AFC East, I mean, the Bills should, I mean, really, at worst, go five and one. They should sweep the Jets. Yeah. They should sweep the Dolphins, and maybe they'll split with New England. But maybe, I mean, they showed that they they played New England last time in the playoffs in Buffalo, and basically, it was like watching um, a college football team play a JV high school football team. It was that dominant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they decimated them, but that's they decimated the thing. them. The, the, the Bill Belichick cloud over Buffalo though is always there, you know. So that that's why that's I why would I would say five and one. I, I, right. At worst, they should be five and one, if not six. No, exactly, and that that's probably what my prediction would be for them with the division as well. Uh, you never know with, with uh, a team that comes in with high expectations. Sometimes they just don't live up to them. But this Bills team, I think, is built to live up to those expectations. I, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. And again, they, they'll if they are the number one seed. How did they not make the Super Bowl? Because who's going to go into Buffalo in the playoffs and beat them? Oh, I just hope they don't even have to play Kansas City this time around. Hopefully, Kansas City kind of fumbles with that crazy division that they're going to be playing in. And well, obviously, losing Tyreek Hill, it has to make them a worse team, you would think, right? Yeah, you would think. But again, you've got a great quarterback and a great coach. And, uh, you know, Traps but Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. well, actually, Patrick Mahomes last year had a down year for him. Yeah. Like he, he, there were some games where he just did not look like this dominant quarterback that we've come to know. Um, especially in the AFC championship game against Cincinnati, he kind of came down to earth in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, But really for the bills, I think more it's playing in Kansas city in the playoffs, not necessarily Kansas city themselves, because I mean, the, the ghosts of the, of the bills past right now are in arrowhead. Like if they're (laughs) playing them in Buffalo, it's going to feel like a fresh, a a, a fresh taste of everything. But just, just thinking about that fucking game, man. And like every time we talk about this and I just think about that game and how, I've never experienced such like insane emotion in a short period of time as I did watching that game. And I'm not even really a Bills fan. Like I am a Bills fan, but I'm not. I just wanted them to win that game so bad. Yeah. Ugh. Just ugh. Well, because every Bills fan knew if the because we had already known it was already the result of the Cincinnati game had already happened. So you like the Bills knew we win this game. We're playing at home. Yeah. And there's no convincing any Bills fan out there that's listening to this not one of them would concede maybe the Bengals beat you at home no. like nobody concedes that point everyone's <laughs> like no no we would have won if that game had not played out in this alternate universe like anybody who's a Marvel fan knows of the multiverse at this point yeah. uh you know in somewhere in the multiverse the Bills did not blow this game and they played in the AFC championship game against Cincinnati and do we know who won that game no, we don't know who won that game, but we do know who did go to the Super Bowl and who went to Arrowhead and did beat the Chiefs. It was the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. So, but yeah. I, I, too, I too think that the Bills would have won the game, but I don't know. And I'm not yeah. going to say that for sure that they would have won because we don't know the result of that. Well, and if you look at NFL math, obviously Cincinnati beats Kansas City, Kansas City beat Buffalo. So that means Cincinnati should beat Buffalo, right? I mean, if you just that's look the at the laws of physics, yeah. But obviously, yeah, I would agree too. I think the Buffalo Bills would have won that as well real quick side note as you mentioned the marvel universe thor love and thunder amazing I haven't seen it yet it haven't seen it yet because good. because i always like you know i whenever i promise someone i want to see a movie with them i typically try to hold up to that and the friend i want to see it with is always camping on the weekends or something like that <laughs> and i'm always working so it's like hard to like find a time where we're both available 
Um, so I'm scheduled to see it next week. I can't wait to see it. So you liked it. Loved it. I think it's very close to being just as good as Ragnarok. Very close. So here's what I heard. Tell me if this is accurate. This is, this is what I'm hearing in the non-spoiler reviews that I've heard from people and on the internet is that they do go in the same direction with the comedy that as they did in Thor Ragnarok. At times it feels like they're kind of going too far in that direction. Yep. Yep. Um, I hear Christian Bale is a fantastic villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear that they've made Thor dumber than he's ever been before. 100%. Um, everything about that I would completely agree with. They go a little bit too far with the comedic aspects to the point where it, it kind of feels like too much. But then Christian Bale's character is so dark that it kind of is like the perfect contrast okay. throughout the movie. And I think that's that's what makes it work. Yeah. You know? So that, that's all I'll say. Uh, amazing movie. Thor, probably my favorite Marvel character, I'd say. And uh, his la- last two movies for Thor have been amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm going to see it next week. Um, I showed my dad for the first time um, the new Spider-Man movie. Um, and he thought that was great. He, he uh, for spo- spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, um, the moment where Peter is deciding to erase the memories of himself from everybody, including those that he loves. My dad was like, this is a horrible way for this movie to end. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how he turns into like, the that's real how, that's how it goes. Heroes have to make tough choices. And unfortunately, Spider-Man is one of those heroes who one of the appealing things of Spider-Man uh, where you can kind of, he's one of those characters where he's written so well that an audience member can feel like they can relate to him, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's a guy who has problems with, girls he has problems with money he has problems with school he has problems with work and then he's also trying to be this hero and sometimes he's in over his head that's why he's an appealing person and an appealing hero and that's what can be very isolating and there are moments where in life where we all have felt isolated and this kind of isolate puts him back to being that isolated character where he's not kind of isolated when mj knows who he is and who his best friend knows and his aunt may knows that he's spider-man and happy knows that he's spider-man now it's just back to the basics of spider-man where now they can do whatever they want with him right um, exactly it's kind of like a that, clean slate yeah so I, I that's why i love that film and I, of course willem dafoe as green goblin is just i mean top notch top notch yeah I, a lot of you know if some people are saying there's some marvel fatigue some superhero movie fatigue I will say some of the movies that have come out recently, you, you love Thor, Love and Thunder. Spider-Man was uh, fantastic. Um, the Batman movie was really well done. Yeah. Um, so I think what they've done with these new movies, because they can't just kind of lean on the fact that these characters are so well known and so popular already, because obviously they've had to dig into the deep, like the characters that nobody knows about for Marvel at this point, because they've kind of shown all of the popular ones. Um, because they've had to do that, they've kind of stepped up their writing, at least in my opinion. I, I think the movies that they've been able to put together since the last Avengers have been very complex, but in like a good way. You know, they like they've they've turned out to be very good movies. And um, but I totally understand the fatigue thing. I think I would feel the same way if I didn't love Shang-Chi so much. Yeah. I mean, that that might be my favorite Marvel movie. It's either that one or Ragnarok. It, it's one of the two. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, um, I'm having a good movie summer so far. I've seen uh, the new Jurassic Park, oh, Jurassic World. That was I heard good. that was shit. Well, <laughs> well, hold on. So the people that say it's shit, I want to ask them, is it because the story feels very familiar in the fact that, you know, the dinosaurs are once again at like a research type facility um, and someone thinks they can control the dinosaurs and shows that they can't and therefore people are running away from dinosaurs. If you have a problem with that, then yeah, you're going to have a problem with this movie. 
Um, but here's the thing. How else do you do a fucking Jurassic Park? Or Jurassic <laughs> right. World? There's no other way to do it. There's no other way to do it. So I leave that aside. I enjoyed seeing this new cast with the original cast mates. There's yeah. this one great scene. Uh, um, this doesn't really spoil anything in the movie. It's just, it's this great scene. And if you love Jeff Goldblum and you love his character, Malcolm from the Jurassic Park franchise, where he runs up to this gate where his friends are on the other side of the gate. They are trying to get out because there's a dinosaur chasing them down this tunnel and they're screaming, they're panicking. And he's trying to figure out this pin. And as they're screaming him, you, you see Jeff Goldblum looking at the thing going, well, there's a uh, thousands of possibilities here. <laughs> I'm trying to guess the pen, and it's just hilarious. Like yeah. his character was so well done in this movie. Uh, I I, I like that. Um, I saw uh, the new Buzz Lightyear movie. That was, in my opinion, I also heard that one wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. Uh, I mean, there were moments where it was funny. Um, I think that if you grew up on Toy Story, um, you know, you'll there are some lines and moments where it's like, ah, oh, that's cool. But it was, I would say, a six point one out of ten you know it's passable yeah. but not like anything fantastic i'm gonna go see the new um elvis movies tonight with tom hanks i've heard that is fantastic i've heard tom hanks is brilliant in it so i'm seeing that tonight and then i will see thor love and thunder next week so there you go man it's a summer full of movies your your camera just froze in like the perfect spot and i was about to take a picture of it and then it just finally unfroze i think oh. your internet might be uh it, it might be jumping a little bit but i think we're good um but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, that was a. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, definitely fully recommend. Um, so, is are we good on the NFL offseason news, or did you have something else? No, I I, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we, the rosters haven't been finalized, so we're not going to get into predictions yet. That'll come more so next month once we get yeah. closer and closer to the season beginning um, and preseason starts. Um, so, I, I wanted to bring in a different segment, if that's okay. Go ahead. Now, this segment is dedicated to my friend Adonis. Adonis Burrito. His last name is not actually Burrito. I actually don't remember what his actual last name. So we're just going to say Burrito. Um, huge Yankees fan. Oh. Yankees absolutely decimating the league right now, except the Red Sox showed some fight in their last series against the Yankees very recently. I was just telling, so the first game that the Red Sox won in that series where they won in, in the 10th in inning, right? Yes. I was watching the last at, at bat and all I saw was the score. I didn't even look at how many outs there were. I didn't see who was on base or how many people were on base. I immediately had a text queued up to you. And I was like, imagine losing to the Yankees in extra innings. That's all I was going to send you after, after that game ended, if the Yankees won. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. But then right before I click send, so I, I said it out loud that I was going to do that. And someone was like, oh, wait, there's someone on base. And this guy seems to be struggling. Like they, they might pull out the win. And then they pulled out the win. So I copied that text and sent it to my friend Adonis, changed the, Reds, <laughs> <laughs> the Yankees to the Red Sox. I said, imagine losing to the Red Sox in extra innings. And, and he's like, man, you had that queued up like right away. It was like literally the guy stepped foot on the base and you sent that fucking message to me. So uh, I wanted That's to talk good. a little bit about the season for my friend Burrito. Obviously, the Yankees have been dominating. Red Sox came out looking a little rough, but it sounds like they've turned it around. The well, they've lost three straight to Tampa Bay uh, since that oh. those two games against the Yankees. So never mind. Um, yeah, the, the Red Sox. Here's the funny thing: the Red Sox have not had the best season so far. They struggled offensively at the beginning of the season. Now their offense has gotten uh, kind of with it, but their pitching has faced injuries and struggling now. So like, they haven't won a single series this year against a division opponent. They've either tied the series or lost the series all season. Orioles. Even to Baltimore, even to Baltimore. Yeah. 
And so, and yet they're still in the wild card chase. Like they're tied for one of the wild card spots right now, um, halfway through the year. So if they can put it together, I think they will be a dangerous team. If the, you know, somebody mentioned this to me on Twitter yesterday, because I, I commented that it's very disappointing that they haven't won a division series yet, yet they're still in the race. So I feel good. Someone commented, well, he goes, I'd love to agree with you, but um, if the Red Sox at the trade deadline sell a lot of their talent, because they're not. In, all in this year that'll that, then we're not going to do anything and I, I i could see that happening i don't know who they'd get rid of but i mean we'll see but the yankees to to, 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 to their credit they are having a phenomenal year they are having a phenomenal year they're playing great baseball they're a they have great starting pitching they have a great bullpen they have a fantastic offense um <laughs> they're just playing <laughs> the pain in his face right now for everybody that's listening he is in pain right now talking about this yeah i mean they're, they're they're just they're playing really well and they're never out of a game they're never out of a game they're like a cockroach that won't die so you know but you know both teams in the big apple right now are playing great baseball both the yankees and the mets are playing great baseball and I got to say right now, no one's stopping the Yankees in a seven game series. I don't think, I don't think anybody in the American league can really beat them. Maybe the Houston Astros. Um, I feel like if Boston were to play them in a seven game series, if I'm being totally honest, I think Boston could take out maybe two games, but yeah. I don't think they would be able to win the whole series. Cause they just don't have, they don't match up as well pitching wise with the Yankees. Um, but I do think that if the Yankees and the Mets met in the world series, it'd be the first time since 2000 that that ever happened. Dude, that would be so I would actually watch and be into it. If that, I would be, well, first of all, I would wear orange and blue all week. All, all, (laughs) as long as the world series went on, I would always either have something blue on or something orange to support the Mets. Uh, The Mets actually, it's funny. Their minor league team is the Syracuse team, Mm -hmm. the Syracuse Mets. The game sold out tonight because DeGrom's pitching. The ground is healing from his, you know, injury. And when that happens, when you're coming back from injury in baseball, you play on the minor league team to kind of get yourself warmed up to playing baseball again. And so he's playing for the Syracuse Mets tonight. And a couple of days ago, I got a notification Syracuse Mets game sold out and it's because DeGrom's pitching. Uh, Last time that happened was when Strasburg was pitching for Syracuse when they were the minor league team for the nationals. Wow. It's been a long time then. That was back when we were like in early high school. Uh, yeah, no, we were in college at that point. Were we in college at that point? Yeah, because I worked for them. Uh, it was part of my internship. Uh, I helped, I helped, uh, our friend Rob get tickets to the game with his dad for, uh, for that game on the third baseline. It was pretty cool. That's Um, pretty awesome though, to hear that the Mets are playing well. I hope they can keep it up because I would definitely, once the postseason comes around, I would probably watch, which is, (laughs) it's tough to make me get me to watch baseball, but if the Mets are winning, then that's usually the only time I watch. Well, it's funny is I have a coworker who's an Atlanta Braves fan. He's from Georgia and he, says all the time that he, he goes, I've been watching this division for so long. The Mets have no character, so they're going to fall apart. They always do. Um, so, <laughs> so he has, what an impersonation. <laughs> I, everyone laughs when I do it at work. They, they, they say it's spot on. So, <laughs> But they just played Atlanta in Atlanta in a, two, a three-game set, and the Mets took two of the three. Yeah. So uh, the That's Mets have – the Mets have a good offense and they've got uh, Scherzer. And when DeGrom comes back, they've got two of the top pitchers in baseball on the staff. So, yeah, no, I mean, and the Mets uh, were in the world series relatively recently. I mean, it was mm-hmm. back in 2015. So they've been the world series closer to the Yankees have. So if that is the world series, I will tell you, I will be excited for it. And I will be rooting hardcore for the Mets. The uh, last thing I want is for the Yankees to get another ring. It's for Yankee fans to be like, Oh, we've got 28 rings. <laughs> Cause here, here, here's, you know, here's, why I hate I hate Yankee fans more than I hate the Yankees themselves because the way Yankee fans 
uh, conduct themselves. Not all of them. There are some that are humble and, and, and nice, but the uh, here's the main attitude from Yankee fans in that Red Sox series, right? So the Red Sox could not, you could not be a Red Sox fan and brag to your friends who are Yankee fans if the Red Sox won that series. Cause here's how the series would go. If the Red Sox won all four games, say they swept the Yankees. Uh, at that point, going into that series, they were 14 games back. So this is what I would say to a, uh, I'm going to pretend to be a Yankee fan here. All right. This is me being a Red Sox fan, talking to a Yankee fan. It's a role playing here. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's a, uh, yo, we just swept you. Yeah. Well, we're 10 games ahead. And it's like, all right, well, fuck you. you know, it, <laughs> yeah. Cause what can you say? Right. And then, you know, if the, uh, you know, the Yankees beat the Red Sox, it's huh, see, we're so much better than you. Like they always find a way to feels superior it's like dealing with slytherin all the time like when you're in from gryffindor hufflepuff or uh <laughs> ravenclaw they always find a way to make themselves seem superior to you even if you if you beat them well we're still 10 games ahead of you and if they beat you it's we're the better team and again if you ever get a yankee fan cornered uh on your team being better than them at any point whether you beat them in one game whether you beat them in a series whether you knock them out of the playoffs it's well we have 27 rings okay you don't have 27 <laughs> rings you don't have anything there's some guy or some girl. <laughs> okay, Mike. Have you ever seen any interaction in sports Twitter at all between fans? Because that, that it's not just the Boston and Yankees thing. Every time you see in the NFL, uh, a fan says something about another team. Like, oh, we beat you guys. Oh, we got the win this week. They'll always come back with some sort of, oh, well, we won a Super Bowl two years ago. I know, or, I know. Oh, no, your it's team true. sucks. That's, like, that's, it's that's always that's just everywhere. one No, I know. I, <laughs> i get it and i and I, I when we were at your bachelor party in pittsburgh and we were walking through uh the stadium to find our seats obviously we separated into groups to drive down there and i was with the car that had jason and tommy with me and they were wearing bills shirts into the stadium and the bills were playing pittsburgh week one of the season now what's funny in hindsight is pittsburgh won the game which is hilarious in and of itself but the pittsburgh fans were berating them saying josh allen sucks this and that and i wanted to just pause as the, like the mutual party here and like have a rational conversation and be like, Hey, let me ask you something. Would you rather have today Ben Roethlisberger as your starting quarterback or Josh Allen and wait for their response? Cause yeah. if they say Ben Roethlisberger, they're clearly not smart. They're clearly <laughs> they, not yeah. intelligent human beings. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or just they're, they're an intense Homer to the nth degree, but yeah. it, you know what sucks though? If you're rooting for a team like the Jaguars, there really isn't like any one up that you can offer like to most situations <laughs> like like if i'd start talking shit to uh to a team after like the jaguars somehow pull a win out of their ass if they come back with oh well we we've been at least decent over the past 10 years i'll be like well you got me there we haven't done anything so it's like there isn't much one-upsmanship we can use <laughs> yeah well there's also like the um people say all the time how much they hate the patriots and whenever i say oh i don't hate new england they're like how do you not hate new england everyone hates new england i will just say i have no reason to hate new england the Giants won two Super Bowls against them. Like, you know, yeah, you <laughs> why, always why have I... one up on them, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I also that, remember the story from uh, when the Giants and Patriots played in the Super Bowl in 2008, the fir first time of the two times they played each other. I heard there was a, a scene at um, between New York fans and Boston fans where it was a back and forth where it's like, we have the Patriots, we have the Giants, we have the Yankees, we have the Red Sox, we have the Celtics, we have the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's a uh, it's unfortunate truth for New York. Their basketball teams have not really amounted to much over the years. Even the Nets, I mean, they brought in stars, but haven't been able to win anything with them. So it's uh, it's unfortunate for basketball in the, the NBA. But I, I will say as well, whenever I see any tweet about 
the Bills being considered the favorite in this upcoming season, the Bill, any hype around the Bills, there's always like 15 Kansas City fans commenting on that post saying that they like the Bills are overrated, like how the Kansas City has beaten them over the past couple of years. And then the Bills fans respond and are so fucking salty. <laughs> Like it's, don't you just love sports? It just brings out this visceral reaction over something that really doesn't matter that much, but it does matter that much. It does. Again, I had to remind myself during the NBA finals, it was, listen, I'm talking to myself. Listen, Michael, your life's not going to change at all if the Celtics win or lose this series. So (laughs) calm yourself down, take a breather, realize you have friends and family that love you and you make enough money at work and you have a good life your life's not going to change at all other than the fact that you might have different apparel in your closet if they win like you'll get a championship shirt you might get the championship hat but that's it you know but you also have that 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 thing in sports that bragging rights is so nice to have like you have a podcast you have a podcast you would be able to brag on your podcast let's say the giants win the super bowl while we do this podcast yeah. Imagine how insufferable money a mic will be, my listeners. Like, Imagine like, how ugh. insufferable I would be if um, you had a banana, I have a pair of scissors. <laughs> Imagine, <laughs> there you go. Imagine how um, insufferable I would have been if we had done this podcast back in 2007, 2008, when the Giants won the Super Bowl, the Celtics won the finals, and the Red Sox won the World Series. In that order, the, the, in 2007, in the fall of 2007, the Red Sox won the World Series. That following February, the Giants won the Super Bowl. And then it's that summer, the Celtics won. That will never happen for me again in my life, where all my teams won around the same exact time. Yeah, you, uh, you just talking about that is honestly insufferable. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to move on from that, Money Mike. Is there any other topics you wanted to cover for our listeners today? Uh, for anybody that is a fan of reality TV, there's this new show called The Challenge USA. Now, I don't think The Challenge is a new show. I've never seen any of it, but The, um, the Challenge USA. It's been around for a long time. The Challenge. But the, I think this is the first time they've done it in the U.S. this time around, I think. I actually have no idea about that. I just know it's been around. Okay, so this season, what they're doing in The Challenge USA, they're two weeks in. It airs every Wednesday from 9 to 10. Um, is they took a group of people from the show Love Island, a people, a group of people from Big Brother, a group of people from Survivor, and a group of people from The Amazing Race. And the concept of the show is this group, as it starts off with like 28 of them or something, there's a lot of people. Um, you're in a house with 28 people. You know, this is a nice facility. There's beds for all of them. There's a weight room. There's lounge. It looks like a nice place to hang out and stay. But you're playing this interpersonal game where you're paired off with somebody every week to compete in a challenge. If you're the team that wins the challenge, you're safe. But if you're the team that comes in last, you have to play in this battle arena at the end of the episode. And the mm-hmm. team that wins gets to pick your opponent, like the pair that you face off against. Um, so I've, you know, I, I think it's very interesting. Uh, if anybody wants to tune in and watch it, um, I will say one of my favorite survivor players of all time is on it. That's the only reason I'm watching it. If he wasn't there, I probably wouldn't be watching it. That's cool. But he's he's been on the winning team both weeks. Um, and I tweeted at him last week and I actually said on Twitter, it was the most liked post I've ever had on Twitter before, where I said, the only reason I'm watching this show is because, and I tagged him in it. I said, cause Tyson's on it. I'm rooting for him to go all the way. He retweeted it. He, he liked it. He retweeted it. And then he commented on it saying, you know, won't let you down he, when he retweeted it. I got like 30 plus likes on this. And I'm like, wow, that's the most action I've ever gotten on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Money Mike becoming viral. Yeah. There so, we go. I will say, yeah, if you're interested in a new show uh, and you like reality TV or you like if you like things like American Ninja Warrior and you like or or any kind of shows where there's like action based challenges, I think you'll like this show. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to hear that the reality TV like that is still going strong. You know, like hearing that concept that brings you back to like the mid to late 2000s. Everybody throwing thrown into a house, talking about all of the drama and all of the insane shit that ha- happens when you throw all these people into one building and having to deal with each other for an extended period of time. And then having those challenges and being able to like vote people out and like all the drama that surrounds that, like it's probably very interesting. Yeah, and again, it's it's different from Survivor where not everybody has a say in who goes home uh, because yeah. only the pair that wins puts a pair in the arena. And then it's up to them. They have a chance to save themselves. But what's funny is Tyson told this girl that they did, he ended up putting in the arena. He told her that morning she was good. And uh, midway through the challenge, and then he put her in the arena and she looked really pissed off. And midway through, it looked like her pair was going to win. He's like, they show confessionals like they do on Survivor. He's like, I'm thinking, I told her she was good. And she's probably like, dude, what happened? I'm gonna have to say you were good for like a half hour. <laughs> and then it changed. <laughs> See, he didn't lie. <laughs> so. That's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's definitely something I would definitely check out. I used to, my favorite reality TV show like that was The Ultimate Fighter. I don't watch yeah. it really anymore because it's it's kind of stale at this point, but it was a similar concept. You throw a bunch of these guys in the in a house and everybody fights each other and whoever comes out victorious wins a contract with the UFC. So those types of shows, and the best part of the show isn't the competition for me. At least it wasn't for the ultimate fighter. It was all the antics in the house, like everybody dealing with each other's stuff. It's so fun. Great TV. That's why why I love survivor so much. It's not about the challenges or the twists that survivor throws at you. It's the strategic game that's being played. Um, How do you get yourself to the end of this game where you have to vote people out and then ask a group of those people you voted out to vote for you? You know, it's, you know, uh, it's a concept I've loved since I was a little kid. And the only reason I'm watching the show is because there are survivors on this show. And it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's cool to see some of them. It's hard because I don't know any of the people from the other shows. I don't, I've never watched an, a single episode of Big Brother. I've never watched any Love Island. And I've never watched, I, I can't say I've never watched The Amazing Race, but I haven't seen The Amazing Race since like the early 2000s when it first came out and wasn't really that into it. So I don't know any of the people that are there from that. Um, but like I said, you know, the other th- cool thing about any kind of reality show is if you can attach yourself to a particular player and root for them, it makes it that much more investing when you're watching. And for me, there's one person on there that I'm, I like more than any of the other survivor players. So I'm rooting for him each week. And if he ends up getting knocked out of the house, I may just stop watching altogether. Cause I'm like, ah, that's all I really cared about, but who knows yeah. if he lasts really long and then gets eliminated. I'm already emotionally invested to see how it turns out. So we'll see. Shit, I think we might have to change our name to another damn variety podcast, huh? Yeah. We talk about uh, sports, and then we talk about movies. Now we're talking about reality TV. What the hell else are we going to talk about? Today, you get, Mike? you know, for any of you who are new listeners, you get everything you want out of this show. You, there's lots of topics talked about here. Yeah, you know, both Drew and I are also writing books. You know, that's right. another thing we. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. Not and both both books, by the way, are not about sports. Yeah, exactly. We were both fans of fantasy we were, we were both nerds as you guys would expect but we'll talk about the details of those books on another day potentially um my name is drew torres he is money mike gilcrest any final words of wis- wisdom my friend uh just uh take some time to enjoy the weather that we're having in this season in the summertime we're in right now i golfed this morning i played pretty horribly for the most part but i had one hole where i played really well and i'm very happy about that so have those moments where you're out hiking golfing swimming uh going to a concert and just enjoy life take advantage of the fact that now we actually can go out in public and enjoy the good weather that we're having. I hope everybody has a good day. Same reason that you listen to this podcast is to have fun. Money Mike says, go outside and have fun as well. Like I said, I am Drew Torres. He is Money Mike Gilchrist. Enjoy the rest of the NFL offseason. Football is just around the quarter and take care.